Welcome to Education Currents, a show designed to provide educational news and commentary from a Christian worldview. The greatest resource any community has is its children. And by providing for them the best possible education, we are providing for ourselves and future generations. Join us as we explore the latest social and political issues surrounding education today. Welcome, welcome. I'm here with Chris Hulin, who is the president of the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. And I like to do these kind of shows every so often because my listeners are looking for career-type material for homeschooling and for education currents. So it's good to just get in there sometimes and talk about some of these career possibilities that we don't always think about. So first of all, just tell us about the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. Well, the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia is a single-purpose school of anesthesia. We're actually the largest in the nation that's not connected with uh, another um, discipline or college. So that's all we do is we focus on nurse anesthesia at the entry to practice doctorate level. And we um, have people coming back and finishing their doctorate who've had a master's degree. We have an acute pain fellowship. And then we do some workshops and education um, specifically focused at opioid reduction in the operating room and um, it's called regional anesthesia, acute surgical pain management, and enhanced recovery after surgery. But all of our activities, all of our staff, everybody is focused on that nurse anesthesia education path. Wow, that was really um, uh, mind-boggling in the sense that so they can start out as the big focus is to become a nurse, a nurse anesthetist. Correct. And but then they can go on. Correct, and we with the fellowship and some other specialized training activities that we have. Yes, ma'am. And then the uh, the opioid reduction. That's another huge facet of. You know what we're facing here in the United States with this opioid opioid addiction. So when did you start realizing that you needed to include that as part of your education system? Technology has really helped us with this, using ultrasounds to um, identify specific nerves. And we, as uh, the school, have had a strategic focus with probably the last four or five years to focus on um, doing our part, combating the opioid crisis and um, really bringing out as modality for entry to practice students. And again, with the fellowship um, that we have for that specific modality and other workshops, kind of to set the stage when my personal background was hospital administration before I became a nurse anesthetist. And when I kind of started studying and and looking at what was going on in the industry, um, I realized that we could make a huge impact at the front end, and it goes back to that whole theory of an ounce of prevention, pound of cure thing. 6% of all patients, JAMA released a study that 6% of all patients who are opioid naive that have surgery end up with a persistent opioid problem. Mm. 10 to 15% of people who are opioid naive have a persistent problem when you move to belly surgery and, and knee surgeries. When you then back off and consider there's 50 million anesthetics done every year in the United States. Mm. You, those numbers, you can see how many people are entering into a pathway of a problem because of introducing an opioid upon surgery, getting a bottle for 60 
pills when maybe three or four we get them by or none. Yeah. Um, and so what we do is we um, outfed our students and, and other people coming back for specialized training on how to do anesthesia blocks to where we're doing mini surgeries with no opioids. I work in an outpatient surgery clinic where we do knee replacements and um, I'll go the whole day and never give a narcotic. Mm. So the technology is really advanced to allow us to do that. And, and it fits very much with the, our Adventist focus and the history. Our school was started in 1950 as part of Madison College, where ASI started. We are all that is left um, of Madison College. We are um, independent, freestanding. But um, within our mission statement, it very clearly says to create a Seventh-day Adventist learning environment. So our students have two religion classes by our um, local pastor. They're introduced to religion and the holistic care. In our um, writings as well, we use holistic with a W, and our students often like, uh, there's a typo here, and it, it opens up the opportunity to talk to, about the whole person. Yeah. So that's where really combating the opioid component and again, doing our part relating to what we can do to prevent that crisis is is a huge focus and um, front and center at our campus. Now, what does do you accept students of various faiths, or do they have to be Seventh-day Adventists? That's a great question. Um, only ab- about 10% of our students are Seventh-day Adventists, so it's a wonderful opportunity to introduce um, our, our philosophies. We mm-hmm. go through the, you know what Adventists believe in health and healing and how we base our religious beliefs on the Bible solely. And um, so, yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity. So you figure out of a class of 70, again, we're the largest freestanding school in the country, only about seven Adventist students mm-hmm. are in there. We, we've had atheists, we've had Buddhists, you know, all the gamut of religions. And we create some very rich discussions and in our religion classes, we, we need to be able to provide care to everybody and then meet them where they're at. And then we also want to feed the students spiritually. Um, we promote balanced lifestyle and all that within our school. So it's a nice fact yes. that we can continue to keep alive what um, was started there by Ellen White on our campus. Um, back in the day, Madison College, and we're still carrying that message yes, forward at our school. that's wonderful. What does a student what are the prerequisites how do they get admitted into this program that's a fantastic question well um to be a nurse anesthetist you got to be a nurse so let's start there um however because our school is freestanding you you have to have a bachelor's degree because we're moving in everybody now enters Mm -hmm. into a doctorate track but it doesn't have to be a bachelor's of nursing at our school because we're not part of a nursing school so a bachelor's of science and a two-year rn or most people, um, probably 95% of our students, will have a four-year Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. Then you have to have a minimum of one-year critical care experience. Our average is around 2.6, but you have to have one-year minimum. That's an accreditation standard. And we like to see that in a high-acuity ICU where you're doing a lot of drips and really sick patients, a lot of ventilator care. And those are the prerequisites. And a good GPA. We're, we're an incredibly competitive school. We had almost 300 applicants for 70 spots this last go-around. So, you know, you got to bring the grades. I tell yes. the, the young folks, um, uh, grades matter. So Yes, 300 applicants, and you only allow 70 in? 
Correct. Our, our strategic goal is we want three-to-one applications, and then we interview two-to-one. So we interviewed actually about 150 people for those 70 spots. So it's incredibly competitive. We have a just a really strong reputation um, nationally and specifically in the southeast. We're in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're just known for clinical excellence. And that, again, I relate back to our roots. Yeah. It's kind of that work-study thing. We work our students hard. I warn them we're not the easy button. You're going to spend yes. a lot of time in clinical. But it really goes back to how we were started with the mentality we want to prepare people for any operating room in the U.S. or even in the country. We have a big mission mindset, so they've got to put in the work, and people line up to hire our graduates. Yes. We, we are, I mean, are, that speaks to your, to your values as an institution, which maybe you could just go through those core values. Our leading core value is to create a Christian Seventh-day Adventist values-driven curriculum and program. So, again, it is what we talk about in our churches and all of our schools. We carry that forward in our program. Academic and clinical excellence, that fosters a life of service. All of our students have to do service projects in their community, one in their religion class, and then um, I teach a business and professional development class, and I believe that professionals need to give back to their community, so they do a second service project. The, the board, in working with setting some targets, we're trying to create an opportunity for 25% of students to be able to do international mission work overseas. We have a partnership in Haiti. We've adopted a school of nurse anesthesia in Guyana, South America. Wow. So we um, are in helping them elevate their curriculum. So we really believe in that life of service component. And then where I mentioned the holistic piece with the W, so holistic approach to education. Healthcare and a balanced lifestyle. So really that whole body um, mentality, mind, body, and spirit. We take students through a lot of that education component and why that is important to witness to the whole person and also to keep yourself healthy so you can serve others. And our final core value is graduate education that prepares nurses and CRNAs to complete their educational goals and enter the workplace with confidence. So that's that clinical competence that you got to put in the time. You got to bring your A game every day because we're serving um, people and, and you got to take that seriously. Well, we have to take a break right here. I'm talking with Chris Hewlin from, uh, he's the president of the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. And we'll be right back. miss part of today's show, you'd like a copy for yourself or to share with a friend, then please go to our website, lifetalk.net, and click the podcast page. All of Lifetalk's live interactive talk shows are posted on our site and are free for you at any time. If you don't have an internet connection or you just want a compact disc of today's show, call 800-775-4673 with your credit card ready, because you'll be asked for a small donation to help cover our costs. Also, we'd like to hear what you thought of today's show. Please send us an email, include the title of the show on the subject line, and send that email to office at lifetalk.net. That's office at lifetalk.net. Welcome to Live with Sam. I'm Sam here in my house with my mother, who just happens to be the world's greatest cook. 
She makes healthy meals for her family using only whole plant foods. Mom, welcome to Live with Sam. Have you finished your homework yet? Uh, yes. Is your room clean? Mom, we're kind of on the air right now. You said I could interview you? Wait! Oh no, I look terrible! Mom, it's radio. People can't see you. Honey, I'm having a really bad hair day. Can we do this tomorrow? Don't worry, Mom. You look great. Really. (sighs) If you say so. I've told everyone what a great cook you are. I want them to know your secret. Take, for instance, your bean soup. Like everything else you make, there's no meat in it because we're vegetarian. But it's delicious. How do you do that? Well, I throw dried beans into a slow cooker with some water and a pinch of salt and let it simmer overnight. You don't add any secret sauce or special herbs and spices? Nope. Water and salt. Are you sure no one can see me? Wait a minute. How about your awesome breads? How about that spaghetti dish you made yesterday? Or my favorite... Mexican food. Certainly you do something special with them. Oh, maybe a little spice or seasoning here or there. But I figure that God put wonderful flavors in his foods, and I shouldn't get in the way by adding a bunch of other stuff. The simpler, the better, I always say. Awesome. Thanks, Mom. This is Sam for Live with Sam. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Hi, I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin. And I come to you each week through the programs of Education Currents and Homeschool Companion. And I'm so blessed to be part of MRG Media Radio Ministry. And I'm giving you the opportunity to be part of it too. We can't stay on the air without your financial support. So take a moment right now during our fundraiser to call you with a gift of any size. As a token of my appreciation for your gift, I have a gift you so be sure you call and my gifts consist of some books that I've written that I've autographed for you so be sure and call us 301-824-3162 that's 301-824-3162 or write to MRG Media at P.O. Box 413 Smithsburg Maryland 21783 that's P.O. Box 413 Smithsburg Maryland Welcome back. I'm talking with Chris, president of the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia, probably Dr. Hewlin, right? Yes, ma'am, but Chris is great with me. Dr. Hewlin. And you can go to the website, mtsa.edu. We've just been kind of laying the foundation of what a young person might need to become an anesthetist. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. How do you pronounce it? Anesthetist. Anesthetist. The tist. There you go. Anesthetist. See, I'm learning something too. I've driven by your, now do you call it a school or a college or college? Yeah, okay. I've driven by it a couple of times very appropriate but it's not over the top I would say I mean it's not like this convention center but what is the um, 
the vision for the school? Are you going to continue to expand so you can take more than that many students? Or are you kind of just want to really make what you have great? And That's a great question. Um, I took over as president about four years ago. And we spent a lot of time really researching that, bringing a lot of stakeholders to the table, um, spending time with board members, uh, community leaders. And we do nurse anesthesia incredibly well. And the decision was keep doing what you really do well. Um, I use the analogy, are we going to look for other pastures, you know, maybe a nurse practitioner track or something else, or are we going to continue to stay in our field? And um, we made a decision to plow deeper, uh, rotate crops, but we're staying in our field. So that's where the strategic vision of the fellowship came out. So we have, a, a, as I mentioned before, a, a fellowship in acute surgical pain management. When the national organization, the American Association of Nurse, and, Nurse Anesthetists, um, heard what we were doing, they asked to be full partners. They actually approached us and said, can we partner with you? And um, so we are a national player in that market now, and we're just going to continue to to advance the practice. There's a whole new field of study called POCUS, kind of a cute little catchphrase, but what it means is point-of-care ultrasound, and where we can at the bedside um, look at people's airways, we can look at their stomachs to see if they have full bellies, we can look at their heart. Yeah, you can do a, a bedside study to where... You can really assess many components, um, look at their heart, look at their vessels to see if they need more squeeze, as we say in the industry, which would be um, medicines to support cardiac function, or they need more fluid. What's going on is a fluid status issue. And um, this field of study is advancing pretty rapidly, and I'm working with a national organization to, to, again, partner with them in a program specifically for that. Um, a lot of us in the industry call the ultrasound machine the new stethoscope. Okay. So instead of listening, let's look. You know, yeah. We, so that's where we're taking some of that technology. So that's one of my current projects we're working on. And we'll just see what the next new thing is. Now, help me understand what a fellowship is. It's a one-year specialized training specifically towards, so it's post-graduation. Okay. And it's specialized training, and one we have in acute surgical pain management gets in very deep into the um, pharma, uh, pharmacology for pain, um, pain pathways, lesions, things like that, and then the techniques for doing advanced um, regional ultrasound to be able to do uh, specified blocks for different types of surgery. So it is a very intensive one-year post-graduation um, level training. And, and our goal is, we believe, in you to teach others, to teach others. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're creating local experts so they can go back in their home and serve as the on-the-ground expert and help their peers advance their practice. So we're, we're taking experts in this modality and putting them throughout the country and again, they're making huge inways into um, opioid reduction in the operating room. And creating teams, we, we really focus on bringing everybody together. You have to have physical therapy, pharmacy, administration, surgeons, anesthesia providers. So we spend time on how to create those teams and set up programs, again, just to enhance anesthesia care. Now, do you have a story you could share with us about maybe a student that came in and was hesitant or 
that came in and initially struggled but then became successful. Do you have any testimonies like that that you could share with us? I do. The first person that drops into my mind, and I I will not say a name, but he's grown incredibly dear to me. If he ever hears this, he's going to know who it is. But um, we believe in in service to all people, too. So we're actually... um, have a strategic effort. It's not a printed one, but it's certainly one of mine to be a more diverse campus. There's a very lack of diversity in nurse anesthesia. There's it's a very Anglo-looking um, uh, profession. And this one guy who came in um, actually talked to me. I was out of my my phone at my office transfers to my cell phone. I was out of my tractor working, and he called. And I could just tell he was really hesitant. I could tell from his language that he wasn't like me, and he was really scared about it, will he be accepted and things like that. Well, he got into the program, and the first day of orientation, he pulls me to the side, and he says, I'm not like these people. I don't know if I belong here. And that just almost broke my heart, but I you know, encouraged him. And he had some things he had to work through. He, he kind of, he, I hate to say it, had kind of a chip on his shoulder sometimes when he gave critical feedback, and I had to keep saying, you know, they're not, Give you, you know, does that mean we can't give you any constructive criticism because, you know, you're whatever defini- barrier? Yeah, you're different and, ethnic. Um, he got over that. He is a very, uh, it, it changed him personally. We, we went back and forth. I wanted to understand the world where he came from better. And um, we both grew in the process. He's an outstanding CRNA today. And about two or three years after graduation, he sent me a picture of his mantle. And on that mantle was a picture of me giving his diploma. And he goes, I look at that a lot and and thank you. You've changed my life. And my response to him was, no, you changed my life. So the, the bottom line, the moral of that story is everybody belongs in this field. Um, I, the message I would want to get to the young people is find a mentor, find somebody to help you navigate the path towards your dreams, whatever it is. And, and don't let things such as, you know, race or any other disability or whatever it is. If you have a dream, go after it, find somebody to help you get there because God wants us all to be successful. Amen. Amen. So we've come to the conclusion of our show and i'd like to encourage our listeners to go to mtsa.edu that stands for middle tennessee school of anesthesia anesthesia Anesthesia. (laughs) see i'm learning how to to say it too and what final word would you have for that young person that's you know still debating what do i want to be when i grow up Uh, well um i have young people myself so you know, I would say first thing is pray, open your mind to God. And um, if things if things don't work out, maybe as you have planned, walk in faith anyway, because you never know what door will be opened. Um, I spent eight years as a hospital administrator and um, got out of that line of work and to go back to be a CRNA. And now as president of the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia, I can see how God gave me that experience so I could take this leadership role today. So whatever walk you have, whatever doors that are open, just just go through them in faith um, and trust that God does have a plan for you. The medical profession is a great profession. It's not for everybody. 
I had a son who went to be a combat medic for four years and thought he was going to go into medicine, got out of the Army. He's like, I never want to take care of a patient again. <laughs> well, again, you get, So you have to have experiences so you know what you don't want to do, too. Yes. So it's not always a linear path, but continue to walk forward in faith, and, and God will work it out for you in the end. Amen. We have one last thing to say, and that is God bless. Thank you. You have been listening to Education Current, a production of MRG Media Ministries. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.